I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Uh, just probably over a half hour ago, as of this recording, uh, the latest episode of Premier Boxing Championships on NBC just ended. I was only able to catch the last round of uh, Jamie McDonald versus Kameda. That was the uh, rematch from this past May. Uh, well, the last round did look good, and I'm sorry to have missed it, but my cable company decided that uh, even though I'm all paid up, you know, I should not be allowed to view any of the channels that I'm paying for. So, uh, yeah, that kind of sucked. Uh, hopefully I can go back and catch a replay of that on YouTube or somewhere else. <clears throat> but, uh, the main event, Andre, or sorry, Anthony Durrell, Anthony Durrell versus Marco Antonio Rubio. Uh, as you know, Durrell previously held a title at super middleweight and, uh, lost it in his, uh, first successful defense, or, not, no, that wasn't a successful defense. No, lost it in his first defense. And uh, Marco Antonio Rubio, a guy who usually fights at 154 and 160 pounds, coming up to 168 for the first time in his career. Oh, that uh, it, it, it sounded like it was terrible, but at the same time, it didn't do anything to keep me awake. I and I don't get it because Durrell was showing some real flashes of of brilliance. You know, he's landing punches, and there it doesn't seem like Rubio has any real answer to anything that Durrell is doing. But there are times in the fight where Durrell and Rubio are just standing in front of each other not doing anything. It's kind of like they're they're looking at each other like, you do something. No, you do something. You do something first. No, you do something first. It's like, just freaking throw some punches already. I scored the fight 10 rounds to, to zero, all for uh, Anthony Durrell. The, uh, the best that Rubio did was in round four. But even then, I figured, no, Durrell still won that round. And afterwards, after the fight's done, Durrell immediately does a backflip in the center of the ring. You know, lands on his feet perfectly. It's nice. You know, if you weren't a boxer, I'm sure you'd be a, a Power Ranger or something. But I just thought, well, if you've got all the energy to do this backflip, why couldn't you do something a bit more exciting during the fight? Why couldn't you just... You know, hammer Rubio's some more. He, I, I don't know. I mean, Rubio does have a good chin. He's been in there with some hard punchers. I mean, he, he did get stopped by Golovkin and Pavlik in the past, but I, I, I just don't get it. And I don't know what Rubio was doing because uh, it seemed like after the first or second round, he just had this look on his face as he went back to the corner like, Oh, God, why am I doing this? What am I doing here? He looked, he did not look like in the best shape. He looked very soft around the midsection. Uh, yeah, he, he's a gatekeeper. 
that's all he really is, and, uh, unless he gets very lucky again against an upcoming prospect in the middleweight division like he did against David Lemieux, which is his signature victory, but I just don't see that happening again. Anthony Durrell, I don't know. Try to be more exciting like Leo Santa Cruz and uh, Abner Mares were. Don't fans deserve that? And speaking of what fans deserve, don't we deserve to not have Roy Jones Jr. fighting anymore? It has been over 10 years since that guy has won a meaningful, important fight against a top opponent. For the past few years, all Jones has been doing is having these terribly mismatched fights against fighters that you know he should not be fighting. His last opponent, a guy named Eric Watkins, guy had, had almost as many losses as he did wins. 12 wins, 9 losses, 2 draws. Previous opponent before that, Paul Vasquez, 10 wins, 6 losses, 1 draw. Uh, before that, Willie Williams, 14 wins, 8 losses, 2 draws. Jones was originally supposed to have a fight scheduled uh, for next Saturday, September 12th, but he had to withdraw, or he just chose to withdraw, after he failed to uh, show up at the airport for his flight to London for this fight against Tony Moran. Uh, and you think, okay, well, probably a good idea for him. I mean, he had just had a fight a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was for the, his health because he didn't want to have two fights within a one-month time period. Or maybe he just didn't want to uh, miss Floyd Mayweather's final fight against Andre Berto, which also takes place that night. But uh, now it's been announced that Roy Jones will have a fight in <clears throat> uh, coming up in December. Roy, why are you doing this? You have a great record of 62 wins, 8 losses, 45 knockouts. You have won titles in four different weight divisions. What are you doing? Who are you fooling? What? Stick to training, okay? You you were previously working with John Pascal. You're still working with Millerad Zizek. So what's the deal? Why keep doing this to yourself? Why keep doing it to boxing fans? I know you feel like you still got a lot left, but you got to be honest with yourself. You don't. If the best you can do is, you know, fights with Eric Watkins with his 12-9 and 9 record, no. Just, just stop, okay? I know you want that final world title shot and then you're going to retire, but no. It's not worth it, and boxing fans shouldn't have to suffer for that. Moving on. Okay, uh, originally before I lost my voice last week, I was planning to go over the all-access for Floyd Mayweather versus Andre Berto, and I gotta say, this is this is boring stuff. The only part that actually, you know, kind of raised my eyebrow was the stuff with Andre Berto and how he thinks, or, no, he actually believes that he deserves this fight. I, I, I just don't get it with this guy, but as you can tell right now, voice is a lot better, so we're going to go over the latest all-access. 
So the episode opens with Floyd driving uh, his newest car. It is one of only two in existence, and it is worth more than what Berto is being paid for this fight. This is his biggest payday. Wait, wait, getting four million? I got a car out there for 4.8. We'll round it off to five million. Be appreciative, kiddo. Don't be picky. So Floyd drives the car to the gym, has his bodyguard who doesn't know how to fight clear the parking space for him, and then we see Floyd get into his usual trash-talking routine. And, well, you know what? I'll let Floyd do his thing, and then I'll say my little piece. Great. Take you back to your country. We're sending back to their country. They act crazy. Where that boy from Haiti? Okay. Burger talking about, yeah. Yeah, I know Floyd. I've been knowing Floyd for years. Absolutely, you've been knowing me for years. You look up to me. You've been looking up to me. I'm your idol. Leonard, get that man some money. Okay, Floyd uh, talking about how he makes more money. That's nothing new. But the thing I don't get is the whole, we're going to send you back to his country. And saying that Berto's from Haiti. Berto was born in Winter Haven, Florida. Which is not part of Haiti. It's part of the United States. But then again, Floyd didn't graduate high school. So like with English, I don't think geography is his best subject either. Moving on. If you're a real fighter, you know. All of us know. Your nose gonna bleed. We know that. We're real fighters. So tell my arm, my nose bleed. If you're an MMA fighter, your nose bleed more than anybody else's. Yeah, that's why I didn't stop. They stopped it. I was going. I got back up. This year. <laughs> that other guy you hear talking is one of Floyd Mayweather's bodyguards and in the previous episode uh, he wanted to do some sparring and with just the first punch he was immediately stopped he had a bloody nose you would have thought he'd gotten hit with 10 punches but yeah that guy is so lucky that Floyd didn't just you know go up to him right then and there and say okay time to find a new job buddy Wow. Uh, can we see what Berto's up to? This may be Floyd's last fight, but for Andre Berto, it's a last best chance. An opportunity to end the Mayweather winning streak, now in its 19th year. I kind of wish that the narrator would mention what the odds are of Berto uh, ending the Mayweather winning streak, which I believe some odds makers have made as high as 30 to 1. I've also seen odds that say 80 to 1, something like that, but come on, let's be honest, it's a lot higher. Also, uh, I uh, Floyd uh said that he was going to retire after this fight i'm seeing a lot of people saying oh no he's not going to retire he he won't be able to stand that rocky marciano will still be 49 and 0 and he'll want to beat that i honestly want to believe floyd this time i didn't believe him the first time he retired back in 2008 because i knew he'd be back but at the same time i i think i really believe him now when he says he's done, he's going to be done. So uh, let's hope that he's telling the truth this time. Anyway, back to Berto. That is supposed to say he's supposed to be 49 and no. That's what he's supposed to say. But for us, I tell him what we say, Don. 48 y 1. Hey. Todo there. <laughs> End of the day. One thing I can do is scrap when everything else goes out the window. Why do you like to scrap? My dad. He the one that put it in the feet, and he the one that made us crazy. 
Berto will say that he likes to scrap, but when he does it, it doesn't always lead to the best results. Look at the fight with Victor Ortiz. Look at the fight with Guerrero. And, you know, he wasn't doing that well until the uh, he stopped <clears throat> Josecito Lopez. So, and I noticed that whenever they bring up uh, Andre Berto, like for the uh, promos in the Mayweather Berto fight, like whenever they show clips of Berto, they always show clips of fights that he's lost. It's like, oh, there's the uh, Jesus Soto Caras fight. There's the Victor Ortiz fight. Don't you have any fights that you can show that you won? Anyway, Berto's father shows up for camp, and uh, Berto's father, the Berto Sr., used to be a fighter himself in the early days of the UFC. And I find that, you know, the, the episode kind of wastes some good time because instead of talking about Berto's father, and yeah, his fighting background is probably important to Andre, I kind of find, well, I would love to hear Virgil Hunter's insight about fighting Floyd, which he's never done before, and also how do you come up with a strategy to beat a fighter like Floyd Mayweather? How how does a, a master trainer, a guy who knows what he's doing, like Virgil Hunter, how does he devise the strategy for Andre Berto, because everybody thought that Khan was going to get this fight, and I remember, like, maybe a year ago, Hunter had said, oh, Khan is not ready for this fight, so what makes him think, or, like, how does he feel about Andre Berto getting this fight? Instead, all we get from Virgil Hunter is just the sounds of him doing pad work with Berto, and that's kind of a letdown, to be honest. What I do like, though, is the part where they talk about how Berto canceled his fight with Shane Mosley to uh, assist in relief efforts during the uh, Haitian earthquake a couple years ago. In 2010, after a catastrophic earthquake struck and decimated the country, Berto canceled his unification bout against Shane Mosley to aid in the relief effort. Now we have a big tent right there full of patients and full of people that they need to help, so we're here to help any way we can. I was given a gift that can, I mean, that can change my life and change many other lives around me. No matter how you feel about Andre Berto getting this fight, whether he deserves it or not, you have to give him props and respect for putting a fight with Shane Mosley on hold, and he probably would have made a couple million dollars for that fight, and probably he had a chance to win another world title. He, he put that on hold and said, no, I'm just going to go and help these people for nothing. You've got to respect that. So we go back to the Mayweather camp, and uh, we hear Floyd talking about uh, his family, particularly his father and his uncle Roger. I can go to the gym every day by myself. I don't need a trainer to tell me what I have to do to tools this shot. But when it's all said and done, me and Roger, me and my dad, we worked as a team. short shots, rip, rip. For what they did in the beginning of my career. Waiting for you, Rip Rip. I'm waiting for you, Rip Rip. They deserve a check. But, you know, the thing is, my Uncle Roger is not 100%. Roger Mayweather's health has not uh, been well for the past few years. And you can see that he's kind of slowing down. And in the audio, you can hear that Floyd's telling him a few times, I'm waiting for you, I'm waiting for you, while they're doing the pad work. And 
again, the episode does not take advantage of this. You could actually, you know, just have Roger Mayweather sit down, talk about what it's been like working with his nephew all these years. How does he feel about being regulated to just a trainer and not a cornerman for these last six fights? How does he feel about his nephew's legacy in the sport? How does he feel about his brother, whom he's had conflicts with in the past, but they've appeared to be reconciled now how does he feel about all this how does he feel about anything but instead all we get are just shots of him the Mayweathers like on the 24-7 shows people used to you know hear the stuff that Roger would say and they would quote that like it was it was funny stuff a lot of it was stupid I mean need we go back to the A-side meth stuff but it was memorable it made for good tv I mean, why wouldn't you want to include two entertaining personalities on a show like this? Who's the executive producer? Oh, right, it's Floyd Mayweather. So he'll cut them a check and cut out any footage of them that appears on screen where they're talking. Boxing is wear and tear on the body. There's nothing cool about getting hit. We talk about the good things about Ali. But let's talk about other things, like the rope dope Boxing is the sweet science. The name of the game is to hit and not get a hit. I didn't come into the sport to take punishment. I came into this sport to be smart and to leave with a sharp mind. And again, whether you like Floyd Mayweather or not, he has done that. I mean, he, he's not slurring his speech. You don't need captions to understand what he's saying like like you sometimes do with his father or his uncle. That's not to be rude. That's just the way it is. And, uh, yeah, you know, like we can say, oh, I'd want to be great like Muhammad Ali, but would you want to be in your 60s and be a shadow of your former self? Now, going back to Berto, and I do have to correct myself because they do talk to Virgil Hunter, except it's about his first fight with Andre Berto, and that was a Jesus Soto Caras fight, and Hunter kind of explains what happened in that fight. He started ripping up a cuts and hooks and started landing some real flush punches, and I said, okay, well, we're settling in, and then I saw the injury. Berto's shoulder's hurting him. Yeah, the right shoulder, you're right. He's hurt. I went to the corner, I said, V, <sighs> something's wrong. He said, you tore it. I said, yes. He said, well, you got the left arm. That ain't gonna stop you, Andre. You do it. You do it. You do it. Counter left hook and another left hook and another left hook by Berto. Three in a row. Berto trying valiantly to punch back. In my mind, I'm just thinking, I just need to get through it. I did not think about stopping. He wants to continue, but that right shoulder is giving him problems. You know, he kept fighting, and I told him, you can win this fight with one hand. Oh, and Soto Caras down on the canvas. Wow. Berto persevered as a one-armed fighter until the 12th round when he lost by TKO. And this fight is over! That fight there is 
what convinced me that we could do some things because of the courage that he showed. And I believe if he hadn't had the injury, he would have beat Soto Carras. Well, that's a bit debatable because the uh, the scorecards at the time of the stoppage were uh, 105 to 103 in favor of Berto, 104 to 104. And 103 to one, or sorry, 105 to 103 in favor of Soto Caras. So, uh, I'm not too sure if that victory was so guaranteed. Really, I, I'm being honest here. So, uh, I don't know if this is just, uh, trying to delude himself and Berto, or, well, not delude, maybe convince. Maybe convinced, but maybe he just knows so much that isn't so. And I think that's where I'm going to end my little analysis of the episode. There's some more stuff. Floyd gives out some backpacks to some kids. Wishes them well. Regardless, who really cares about it? This wasn't... It wasn't god-awful, this episode, but it could have been better. Like I said, wasted opportunities by not talking to people like Floyd Sr. or Virgil Hunter or Roger Mayweather. Not speaking to Hunter about, hey, what's your strategy to beat a guy like Floyd Mayweather who seems unbeatable? Do you have, you know, something in your bag of tricks? Nothing. So, yeah, time for my prediction. You know what the prediction is. Don't be like, oh, who's it going to be, Andrew? Do you think Berto has a chance? I don't know why I started to do a Paul Bearer impression. No, Berto does not have a chance. But uh, the way I see it, Floyd Mayweather, you know, either way, people are going to rightly criticize him after this fight. If Floyd Mayweather goes in there, knocks him out. People will say, oh, well, why the hell didn't you do that against Manny Pacquiao? Why'd you have to fight such a boring fight against Pacquiao instead of something exciting like knocking him out? Or they'll say, well, Jesus Soto Caras already did that, so what you did isn't anything new and exciting. And if he goes a 12-round distance, people will say, what the hell? You're you're supposedly TBE, and yet you can't even knock out or knock down Andre Berto? Floyd's an all-time great, no doubt, but at the same time, you just, you gotta wonder, oh, you know, why can't you dare to be greater than what you already are? So, do I see Berto getting knocked out, or do I see this being a 12-round decision? Floyd is getting paid no matter how this fight ends. He can go in there, knock out Berto, he'll still get paid. But um, I think that he might try in the first three rounds, three or four rounds, but afterwards he'll just say, okay, well, I can beat this guy boxing regardless. I can make it a shutout like usual. I think this is going to... I would like to see Floyd knock him out. Believe me, I would. But I just don't see that happening. 119 to 108 for Floyd Mayweather. Who knows? Maybe he'll score a flash knockdown somewhere in the fight. And after that, 
I honestly believe that he will stay retired. Time for a new generation of superstars to emerge. They probably won't make as much money, but who cares? I hope they're just more entertaining than Floyd Mayweather's last six fights have been. Yeah, he made a lot of money for Showtime and CBS, but um, he didn't make a lot of replay value out of any of his fights. Let's be perfectly honest there. Yeah, that's all I've got to say on the subject. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxing for free. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Miller Zizek, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to YouTube.com slash boxing for free and like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. They want to know if I'm retiring? Absolutely.